Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you've joined us today. It's a unique Sunday in the life of our uh, congregation. It's Consecration Sunday in which we make our promises for the upcoming year. So if you're a visitor today, we had our worship service at 10 o'clock. We're normally at 9 or 11 o'clock. We have a practice at the end of this service of bringing forth our uh, promises for the coming year. You're certainly not required to do that. If you're a guest today, we're grateful that you've joined us. Simply that. Um, we like to frame our announcements in the five practices of fruitful congregations. We try to live it to the best of our ability, and you'll see plenty of those announcements in your bulletin. If you'll turn in your bulletin to see uh, the phrase radical hospitality. Um, some of our announcements, verbal ones, are not in the back, but you can take that home with you and know uh, pretty much everything that we're up to in this church according to those five practices. The first of which is radical hospitality. We want to welcome you to this service. If you're typically in the 9 o'clock service in the Family Life Center, welcome. Uh, we're grateful that you're here. We're grateful you traveled over. Um, we have visitor cards and prayer cards every Sunday. If you want to give us any information, uh, contact information that you would like us to use, we'll be certain to contact you in that way uh, throughout the week. Uh, just fill out a visitor card and we'll reach out to you. If you'd like to participate in the prayer life of our church, if you would like prayer concerns to be shared with our Tuesday prayer group, uh, there's a card in your pew. Uh, if you want to fill that out, we will get it. Anytime, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can call the pastoral care line on the front of the bulletin. Uh, I or one of our leadership will immediately get an email of that concern. If it's a hospital visit, please say so, and we will make sure that we do. If it's a prayer concern, you please say so, and we'll give it to um, every entity in our church uh, that could use it. Um, please use that uh, anytime. Uh, we believe in passionate worship, and we've got a rather unique announcement today and next week, and that has to do with our sanctuary renovations. Um, it's very difficult to increase quality and quantity at the exact same time. Guess who's done that? Our choir director, Renessa Fernander, has grown the choir to the point that we no longer have space for our choir, and we anticipate needing more space as we go forth from today. Uh, she's done that simultaneously, increasing the quality of what she provides, and so we're so grateful to her, we're so grateful to the choir and their hard work, and we wanted to find a solution to help them. Uh, Kenna and David Owens have helped us with that solution, and it will be presented next Sunday. Um, it's been presented to a number of different entities, including our trustees, and it will be presented to you next Sunday after the worship service. So if you'll please plan to stay 20 minutes, 10, 20 minutes after the worship service, you'll hear how we will try to simultaneously increase the capacity while uh, maintaining the beauty of the original structure. I invite you to stay, and we'll, of course, um, record it if you miss that meeting and you can hear about it. Uh, I'm going to call on Aaron uh, to give us three important announcements about worship. And I'll tell you that the poinsettia form is in the back of your bulletin. You can rip it off and put it in the plate. Good morning. I'm Erin Knight, Director of Children and Family Ministries. And first of all, I want to thank you so much um, to all those who have helped to make the prayer garden a reality. If you haven't looked out there yet this morning, you'll see a vast difference in that space from just a week ago. Uh, yesterday morning, um, while uh, I usually, on a Saturday morning, am 
uh, taking it easy and uh, maybe cleaning the house, a lot of us went out and transformed that space into a garden. Um, but uh, there's still more to come. You'll see a hole in the middle of the concrete out there um, in just a couple more weeks. That will have a beautiful fountain in there thanks to the Stepping Stones class who's going to put that in December 1st. So there's still more improvements to come. Uh, there'll be mulch out there that'll um, cover up the little unsightly things that you'll see this morning. Um, but it looks like a garden now. So go check that out. And um, soon uh, there'll be benches as well so you can go and sit. Um, the trees have been limbed up too. So um, envision that you can sit out there, uh, look up at the steeple. Um, there'll be um, blooms in the spring. Uh, it will be a space that will really inspire uh, your spirit, I hope. And um, a kid yesterday said, this isn't a garden, it's a God in. And I thought, that's really very cute. <laughs> but that's what I wanted too, um, for us to feel the Holy Spirit in this spot. So I hope you'll use it um, when there are benches and other things so that you can sit and pray there. Um, family devotions for Advent are available today. Uh, while I did ask for um, people to let me know if they wanted one, I also realized we're busy families and a lot of people um, may not have asked for one but might use it. So go check it out and I am going to show the children those this morning so that hopefully they'll say, hey, I want one of those and ask their parents for one. So there are plenty. I hope you will take one and they're on the check-in desk in the hall of the FLC. And at this time, if your child is a children's choir participant. I hope you will meet me at this door. Um, we're going to practice passionate worship by practicing for a performance we're going to do on December 3rd in this space at 11 o'clock. And we're also going to teach the children about extravagant generosity if they'll take just half a minute to get an um, offering. Uh, from their parents or from their own allowance, even better. Um, we're going to talk about that and collect an offering. So please join me here and you can pick them up before the luncheon in the FLC straight room. Thank you, Aaron. We believe in intentional faith development. Uh, the youth had a trip to Asbury Hills this weekend. They'll be coming back just in time for the lunch, and I'm assuming they will be tired, and their heads will be hanging. They had a tremendous time. We had, uh, we got great kids in the youth program, and we've had a great time at Asbury Hills. We believe in risk-taking mission and service. I want you to note the Angel Tree announcements in the bulletin and then the newsletter and an opportunity that you have in this season to participate in that. Um, I want you to notice the Foundations Class Thanksgiving baskets in the Family Life Center going out to bless the community. If you'd like to help drive one to a family, you're welcome to do so. And I'm going to call on Adam Wycliffe uh, uh, for a follow-up announcement from last week. Good morning. I'm Adam Wycliffe. Um, I'm not part of staff of the church, sorry. But in the past, I've served on the board of Daily Bread Ministries and remain a strong supporter of Greer Soup Kitchen and Greer Steps' mission to end hunger and homelessness in the Greer community. Today, these relief agencies uh, feed over 50,000 plates of food um, a year and also support uh, many, many families in their quest to exit homelessness. Over the years, Memorial has been a leader in helping to fund both these important missions through action to show Christ's love. Now, I know we're all about to enjoy a big catered meal. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but my doctor told me to stay healthy. I needed to walk. Conveniently, there is a walk this afternoon. So um, today at 2 o'clock out in the parking lot is where we'll start. 
Uh, Daily Bread Ministries will be holding their 13th annual Merle State Hunger Walk. It's a short walk from the church's parking lot down to the soup kitchen. It's a great way for your family to um, help bring awareness to hunger and homelessness in our community and to support one of Greer's important relief agencies. Uh, dogs are absolutely welcome. Bring your kids too. Families, bring a lot of dogs. Don't bring cats. <laughs> but um, t-shirts will be available and we'll also have a raffle. If you have any other questions, you can ask me. Um, if you'd like to give a donation to Daily Bread Ministries, you can obviously in you can absolutely include that in your uh, tithe today or any, any day too. Thank you. The last of which is extravagant generosity. It's an important day for that, uh, not only because of the pledges we bring forward, but because we have the volunteer surveys for the first time on this day uh, since I've been here. They'll be in the Family Life Center, a paper version that you can express your interest in any volunteer position in our church, and there's a digital version in the email that will um, be in the email for some time to come. We thank you. Uh, Reverend Thaxton has joined us in this process for now this third year. He's led us uh, in a really great way with our um, volunteer leaders as well. Reverend Thaxton, we're grateful that you're here today and um, helping lead us in worship. Uh, thank you for listening to the announcements, for paying attention. Thank you for taking your bulletin home with you uh, so that you can read over them again. Please join me as you're able for our first hymn, number 131. Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence 
we shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. scripture lesson this morning is Psalm 134 and it's on page 971 in your pew Bible. Praise the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, Bless you from Zion. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Gracious God, be with us as our emotions pick up. As we drive more, as we cook more, as we travel more, as we host more. As we think more, as we worry more, as we study more. Give us peace. Give us the desire to seek peace at some point in the day, throughout the week, away from the things that escalate in this season, that we may hear your voice. Be with us in this service, Lord, as we make solemn promises. Be with us as we gather around tables. Be with us as we sing hymns, pray prayers, proclaim the word, because we need this. Give us focus, give us purpose, Lord, in this space at this time to be thankful for you, to be thankful for one another, to be thankful for shared tables. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering, and you can give as the plate goes by, or you can give electronically with instructions in the bulletin.
Please be seated. I want to say just a word about our uh, guest, Reverend Reggie Thaxton. He served a church as a senior pastor about 15 years before I did. And his actions and leadership and guidance and structure that he built there were still completely strong and remaining and thriving at that point. That was the first time I heard about him. I've heard about him ever since in retirement. He's worked just as hard in retirement as he did uh, when he was active. He served uh, a church that's on the lake. You pull up in your boat and you hear a sermon on the lake. I'm thinking there's a good bit of scripture passages from the Sea of Galilee that would be pretty great uh, in that moment. Uh, he served all over our conference in this consecration process and led churches uh, to get their process exactly right. This is the third year he's here. He did me a great favor coming two years ago, and I'm grateful that he's uh, continued to lead us. Uh, Reggie, welcome. We're glad you're here. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't be here. I'm grateful that I'm here and that you have allowed me to come back for the third year. Just go the other. You, you promise. And. Uh, I'm delighted to be with your pastor who is doing such an outstanding job and I'm grateful for that and you know us old clergy love to see young clergy come in who can do effective ministry and your pastor certainly does and I am grateful for that. I'm grateful for his friendship and I'm grateful for your friendship in allowing me to be here. I look forward to meeting you at lunch, many of you, and uh, I hope we can connect in that way. I'd like to read as the scripture and the basis for this sermon uh, from uh, 1 uh, Timothy and uh, it is two selections from the sixth chapter. For we brought nothing into this world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil and in their eagerness to be rich some have wandered away from the path and pierced themselves with many pains. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Oscar Wilde once told a story about going into a saloon with a sign above the bar that said, don't shoot the piano player, he's doing the best he can. Uh, when I preach, especially on stewardship Sundays or consecration Sundays, I want to hang a sign across the pulpit that says, don't shoot the preacher. He's doing the best he can. Because in retirement, I've tried to do the very best I can in assisting churches in what some members and unfortunately a number of ministers think is a very difficult and dreadful exercise. 
I've discovered a, a great joy in visiting congregations across South Carolina to remind them that stewardship is not finance. Until congregations learn that truth, they will never get above doing business in order to keep the doors open. Stewardship is the recognition that we are in a special relationship with God. People often ask me, in which church were my family and I the happiest? Well, I served eight, I served eight appointments in, in South Carolina. And I can honestly tell you that I never served a bad church. Perhaps it was because I was never the pastor of a church that had financial problems. Now, I have served some churches that had spiritual problems that showed up in financial repercussions. There were some churches that were selfish. And others had more than their share of greed both of which are spiritual problems. And the Apostle Paul talked about churches like that when he, in the scripture today when he wrote, the love of money is the root of all kind of evil. When the members of those churches with financial problems addressed their spiritual problems, the financial problems disappeared. I had a district superintendent who... Um, once told me that the best advice he ever received was from his preacher father who told him, son, you don't have to protect Methodist people's pocketbooks. They do that themselves. He was saying, I think, that church members will sometimes lower their spiritual standard in order to hold on to their money. I retired think 19 years ago and basically Joe one of the joys about retirement is you can quit reading theology I uh, I don't read a lot of theology I really prefer to read the comic strips because <laughs> the comic strips have more theology than most of us give them credit if you don't believe it go to the comic strip the website for the comic strip BC it has a theological statement well I uh, I, I found that a lot of uh, comic strips have heavy theological issues and you know some of the ones that I mean there, there was one in the comic strip Dilbert when the human relations director Ratbert uh, says to Dilbert I've decided to start a discount religion the tithing would be 5% and I'd let people sin as much as they wanted then he concludes the only problem is, I don't want to spend my time with anybody that would join that kind of religion. And to be honest, neither would we. But I have known people who were willing to lower their spiritual standard and the standards of the church and sometimes the standards of their own soul rather than to move to a greater dedication. And if money, if money matters more than spiritual matters, you should be aware that money will be the first 
thing God lays claim to. You remember the story about the most, what I consider the most cruel command God ever gave. He told his faithful servant Abraham to sacrifice his 12-year-old son, that special child of his old age, and Abraham was going to do it. I had a mother tell me one time that the reason God asked Abraham to sacrifice the 12-year-old son that if he'd waited till he was 14 years old, it wouldn't have been a sacrifice. <laughs> you remember the story, I'm sure. It's in the 22nd chapter of Genesis, and, and you have pictured young Isaac carrying a load of wood, following old Abraham, who was carrying the fire and a knife. And while they climbed the mountain, young Isaac said, um, he said, where is the lamb which we are going to sacrifice? And Abraham said, son, the Lord will provide the lamb. And they reached the top of the mountain and they laid the fire. And then Abraham tied up his son Isaac and laid him on top of the wood. And he stood there poised with a knife above that child, ready to sacrifice the thing that was most important to him. But before he could plunge the knife, God spoke and said, don't lay your hand on the child. For now I know that you hold God in reverence since you have not withheld your son. Editorial comment, since you have not withheld the thing that is most important to you. You have not withheld your son from me. And when Abraham looked up, he saw a ram caught in the bushes and offered up a burnt offering of a ram instead of his son. See, Abraham learned a an important lesson about God and about the spiritual universe. And so Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. Stewardship is not about finances. It's about a relationship with a God who provides. And that's why I enjoy being with congregations who uh, who member, where members make intentional decisions to grow in their spiritual relationships with God by reducing their obedience and their allegiance to that which consumes so much of their lives. I was in a conversation on a golf course with a, a member, not a clergy, a member of another denomination. Uh, we started talking about, about his church. He was not a United Methodist. Your pastor mentioned that I do services in the summer down on Lake uh, Marion where we have hundreds of people show up in boats and golf carts and pickup trucks and anything else that will get them there. And we have services for 16 or 17 Sundays during the... I, I have the children gathered around me and I was explaining to them that I was a United Methodist and I said you know that's a denomination because this is a non-denominational event and I said that's uh, I, I'm a United Methodist and that's my denomination and little girl spoke up and said I belong to another abomination <laughs> uh, my friend on the golf course he belonged to another abomin another denomination 
And he said, I asked him, uh, because he was playing quite well, I said, where, where do you play golf? And he said, well, just wherever I can find somebody to play with. I said, uh, you don't belong to a golf course, a country club. And he said, no, no, I don't. I gave up my membership in the club. Uh, I said, why? Because I was at that time on the board of a club where people were giving up their membership. And he said, well, I'll tell you the truth. He said, one Sunday we had a, a missionary from China who came and visited with us and delivered the sermon and told us about his ministry among the people in China and, and how effective that was and how much it blessed his life. And then he said he, he told us that he was going back but he didn't have enough money to really carry out his ministry. And he said, my wife and I sat down after church and started talking about, about supporting that missionary and how we would like to do it. And he said, we looked at our budget and we said, we really can't afford to support that missionary unless we give up our membership in the country club. And they did. And now they send what they would have spent on a country club to support a missionary in China. I, I developed a one-session course on painless tithing years ago. It's helped a lot of people to discover a way to tithe uh, without suffering as they think they will. I, I decided one year because I had a church that was growing spiritually and it was, it was affecting them in, um, financially. And um, I took that course, I was talking to some of the young adults and I told them about members of a church I had, of which I had been the pastor and how those members had taught me how to learn to tithe and how to do it without it hurting their lifestyle. And so I developed my course and they said, well, come talk to us about it. So I did. I presented in an hour and a half how you could become a tither. It was based on the scripture from Malachi 3, which says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse and I will pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. I explained that in order to be an honest tither, you had to take your tithe off the top, out of the first fruits. It has to be the first thing in your budget. Give it priority. Make it the most important part of your financial planning. And after I finished my presentation to that young adult class, one of the men said, but Reggie, most of us don't have an extra 10%. You know, we have a mortgage. And we have children going to private schools and the cost of living is so high. I, <laughs> that was one time in my life when I held my tongue and have since regretted it. Because I knew that that young man came to the meeting in a BMW automobile. We don't have any extra money and I should have told him what Jesus told the young man who came and said what can I do to inherit eternal life and Jesus said go sell what is most important in your life and reorient yourself around that which is worthy of your worship well that's not exactly what Jesus said but it's close 
Jesus did tell the young man to go and sell and bring to me. He said, he didn't say bring it to me. He said, give it to the poor. He said, get that which you think is most important out of the way so God can take the place of that which you think is most important. I think he was saying, we can enlarge our life we can enlarge our spiritual life by reducing our allegiances. Enlarge your life by reducing your allegiances. Jesus had earlier said in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, no one can serve two masters for a slave will either love the one and hate the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he gets uncomfortably specific. Jesus says you cannot serve God and wealth. The greatest hindrance to reducing our allegiance to the material and concentrating on the spiritual is our fear that we will not be able to function adequately without money. It seems that we are afraid that God will let us fail. A cheerful little girl with bouncy blonde curls was with her mother at the checkout counter of a local store. You know the kind. Little girl spied them. They hang those wonderful, beautiful little gifts along the checkout counter and there they were in a tin in a bright foil box a set of fake pearls and she began please mama mama i want this i want that you've been there haven't you mama i want this just just buy me this and their mother looked at the tag on the back of the box and it was a price far beyond their ability to pay out of the grocery money but she said, if you really want them, I'll give you some extra chores to do and I'll pay you for that. And your birthday is coming and grandmother always gives you money. You know that. If you want them enough to spend your money on those faux pearls, you can have them. Little girls did her chores faithfully. She collected dimes and quarters and dollars. And sure enough, grandmother came through as they always do. And she had enough money to buy the necklace. And they went to the store and they bought it. And she cherished that little box and the, and the pearls that were in it. She wore them everywhere. She even wore them to bed. Every night her daddy would come in and sit down on the edge of the bed and listen to the little girl's prayers. Sometimes he would read a story and he would hug her goodnight and kiss her goodnight. One night, he said, do you love me? And she said, Daddy, you know I love you. And he said, then give me your pearls. Oh, Daddy, Daddy, not my pearls. I, I, I'll let you have my white pony with the pink tail. and You gave it to me for my collections. I love Princess. She's my favorite. You can have her. He said, that's okay, honey. Daddy loves you. And he kissed her goodnight. About a week later, Daddy asked her again when he came to the bedroom, do you love me? And she said, oh, Daddy, you know I love you. And he said, then give me your pearls. Not my pearls, Daddy. You can have my favorite doll. 
the one I got for my, my birthday. She, she's beautiful, and you can even have the blanket that came with her that matches her sleeper, and Daddy said, that's okay, that's okay. I love you, and he kissed her, and he gave her good night. He bade her good night. A few nights later, he came back to the bedroom, and his little daughter was sitting in the middle of the bed, and her daddy saw that her chin was trembling and tears were beginning to form in her eyes. And he said, what's the matter? And she held up her little hand and when she opened it, there were her pearls. And in her quivering voice, she said, Daddy, this is for you. And with tears in his own eyes, he reached into his pocket and he brought out a box to give to his daughter. It's a box he'd had all along, just waiting for her to give up the imitation so he could give her a strand of genuine pearls. Does that sound like a story that Jesus told? The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he has found a single pearl of great price, he goes and sells all his possessions and buys it. That's where, that's where many of us are or should be today. Our Heavenly Father is waiting for us to give up the cheap things so we can receive genuine treasures. God never intended to ask you to give up something important without having something better to give you in its place. As St. Augustine said, you must be emptied of that of which you are full so that you may be filled with that of which you are empty. Stewardship means to enlarge your life by reducing your allegiance to things that are less important. And you know what that is. Jesus calls us from the worship of the vain world's golden store, from each idol that would keep us, saying, Christian, love me more. We've come to the place in our worship when we're going to ask you to make a decision either to stay where you are or to move forward. Either to continue holding the same priorities or to adjust your priorities to give God a little more space in your relationship. We're going to give you a card and on that card we'll simply ask you to write your name and your address and make your, make your commitment. The commitment can be seen as a pledge or a promise or a goal or however you want to call it. It's, it's something between you and God. And when you have completed filling out this, this uh, leaflet, bring it to the front and leave it on the kneeling rail. Some of you will want to leave it and 
Maybe kneel and pray because you're making a change and you want God to bless you and enable you and to take what you have agreed to do and bless other people. Others of you may just leave it, but all of you will leave here and go to lunch. And uh, if you are a visitor, we don't expect you to fill out a card, but we do want you to come to lunch and meet some of the wonderful people who make up this church. You might find somebody that you relate well to and to whom God has directed you. And uh, you might find this is the kind of church you're looking for. I think you will. So bring the card, leave it at the kneeling rail, and meet me at lunch. Now I'm going to let the acolytes leave, uh, and I'm going to say a prayer that God will bless what we do and bless the food which we have, which has been prepared. And then we'll ask you to, to go with God in your promises. Will the ushers come please and we'll distribute the card. in the congregation and and we ask you to respond let us pray heavenly father in this sacred moment we ask that you bless what we agree is a step we need to take <coughs> in our relationship to you bless the promises that we make bless our gratitude for the meal which has been provided and bless this great church that it might continue to do your ministry in this community. In Jesus' name, amen.